Hi, Merry Christmas. And welcome back to Slayer Survive. Our special episode for you. It's a special Christmas episode. We're talking about the Zodiac Killer and the cipher that was recently decoded. Hell yeah. But before we can just jump into the cipher, we wanted to give you a quick quote unquote recap of who the Zodiac Killer was. What did he do? So let me start with our sources as usual. We have a New York Times article called 51 Years Later, Coded Message Attributed to Zodiac Killer Has Been Solved, FBI Says, and a YouTube video on David Oranchak's channel called Let's Crack Zodiac, Episode 5, The 340 is Solved, and of course, Wikipedia. So we want to start with the Zodiac Killer being active in Northern California in the late 1960s to the early 1970s. The unidentified killer gave himself the name Zodiac in a series of taunting letters and cards set to the San Francisco Bay Area press. These letters included four cryptograms or ciphers, one of which was cracked this year, 51 years later. So before getting into the ciphers, we're going to talk about some victims and some of the letters. Although the Zodiac claimed to have committed 37 murders in his letters, police have only confirmed seven victims. They are. David Faraday, who was 17, and Betty Lou Jensen, who was 16. They were two high school students out on their first date on December 20th, 1968. They went out to eat and then drove to Lake Herman Road. At about 10.15, they parked at an area known as Lover's Lane. Shortly after 11 p.m., someone living nearby found their bodies. Police investigated but had no suspects. Utilizing available forensic data, Robert Graysmith, a true crime author, believes that another car pulled into Lover's Lane area just prior to 11 p.m. and parked beside the couple. The killer apparently exited the second car and walked toward their car, possibly ordering the couple to get out. Betty appeared to have exited the car first, and when David, just halfway out, the killer apparently shot him in the head. The killer then shot Betty five times in the back as she fled. Her body was found 28 from the car. The killer then drove off. The next victim, or victims, Michael Magoo, who was 19, and Darlene Farron, who was 22, were shot on July 4th, 1969. Jeez, July 4th. Just trying to celebrate. I mean, the first one was near Christmas, and now he's July 4th. She's on holidays. Just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, Darlene Farron, who was 22, and Michael Magoo, who was 19, drove and parked their car at Blue Rock Spring Park in Vallejo, which is four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder site. While the couple sat in Darlene's car, a car parked behind them. The driver exited the vehicle and approached the passenger side door. The killer shined a flashlight into the couple's eyes before shooting them five times. The killer walked away from the car but heard Michael moaning. He returned and shot each victim two more times before driving away. The next day, on July 5th, 1969, at around 12.40 a.m., a man called the Vallejo Police Department to report and claim responsibility for the attack. The caller also took credit for the murders of Betty and David six and a half months earlier. Police traced the call to a phone booth at a gas station located about three-tenths of a mile from Darlene's home and only a few blocks from the police station. Darlene was pronounced dead at the hospital. But Michael survived the attack despite being shot in the face, neck, and chest. Michael described his attacker as a 26 to 30 year old, 195 to 200 pounds, or possibly even more, 5 foot 8, white male, with short, light brown curly hair. At least we finally got a description of him. 
Okay, so those were his first few victims, and now he starts to write his letters. On August 1st, 1969, three letters written by the killer were received at the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. All three were nearly identical letters and took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Each letter also included one-third of a 408-symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed contained his identity. The killer demanded that they be printed on each paper's front page or he would, quote, cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night even more on To Kill Again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. And there's a lot of misspellings in this quote, which is also what he's known for, I think. He misspells quite a lot. The cryptograms were published and an article printed alongside the code quoted Vallejo police chief saying, we're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer and requested the writer to send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. So on August 7th, 1969, which is just a week later, another letter was received at the San Francisco Examiner with the salutation, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. This is the first time the killer had used this name for identification. The letter was a response to the police chief's request for more details that would prove he was the killer. In it, the Zodiac included details about the murders that had not been released to the public, as well as a message to the police that when they crack this code, they will have me. That's a quote. On August 8th, just one day later, a couple in California cracked the 408 symbol cryptogram. It contained a misspelled message in which the killer seemed to reference... The most dangerous game. He also said he was collecting slaves for the afterlife, but no name was in the decoded text, and the killer said that he would not give away his identity because it would slow down or stop his slave collection. What a crazy. He is crazy. About a month later, there were additional victims. On September 27, 1969, college students Brian Hartnell, who was 20, and Cecilia Shepard, who was 22, were picnicking at Lake Baronessa on a small island. A white man, about 5'11", weighing more than 170 pounds, with greasy brown hair, approached them wearing a black executioner-type hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like device on his chest that had a white symbol on it. This is the first time we see his symbol pop up. So his symbol is a circle with, like, a line down the middle, yeah, and then a line across it as well, so, like, a big cross, but it goes outside of the circle as well. Yeah. So that's what he was wearing on his bib. Creepy. He approached them with a gun. The hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict. He had killed a guard and stolen a car. And he told them that he now needed their car and money to go to Mexico, as the vehicle he had been driving was, quote, too hot. The hooded man told Cecilia to tie up Brian. After she did, the man stabbed them both repeatedly. Brian was stabbed six times and Cecilia ten times. The killer then hiked 500 yards back up the road drew a symbol on Brian's car door, and wrote beneath it, Vallejo 12-20-68-7-4-69, September 27th, 69, 6.30, by knife. So So the dates. Yeah, so here he was claiming, hey, this is me again. And the symbol again. Yeah. At 7.40 p.m., the killer called the sheriff's office from a payphone to report the latest crime. The caller first stated to the operator that he wished to, quote, report a murder, no, a double murder, before stating that he had been the perpetrator of the crime. 
The phone was found off the hook only a few blocks from the sheriff's office, but 27 miles from the crime scene. Detectives who were able to lift a still wet palm print from the telephone, but were never able to match it to any suspect. That's weird. What's still wet? What's a still wet palm print? Um, Like fresh? I guess fresh, right? Because what? I'm like, did he have sweaty hands? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. This guy has a sweater. Yeah. After hearing their screams for help, a man and his son who were fishing in a nearby cove discovered the victims and called for help. When police arrived, Cecilia Shepard was conscious and provided a detailed description of the attacker. Both Cecilia and Brian were taken to the hospital, but on the way, Cecilia lapsed into a coma and never gained consciousness. She died two days later, but Brian survived. The men are surviving. I know. Which is weird because they're just as fucked up as the women, I feel. Like, they're being shot and stabbed the same as the women, but they're surviving somehow. Two weeks later, on October 11th, 1969, a white male entered a cab driven by Paul Stein, who was 29, in San Francisco, requesting to be taken to Presidio Heights. The passenger shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm, took Stein's wallet and car keys, and tore away a section of Stein's bloodstained shirt tail. The passenger was observed by three teenagers across the street who called the police while the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping the cab down before walking away. Two blocks from the crime scene, two patrol officers responding to the call observed a white man walking along the sidewalk and stepping onto the stairway leading up to the front yard of one of the homes. The officer estimated the man to be 35 to 45 years old, 5'10", with a crew cut, similar but slightly older than the description of the teenagers. The police radio dispatcher had, however, initially alerted officers to be on the lookout for a black suspect, so the two officers drove past him without stopping. A search ensued, but no suspects were found. This was the last officially confirmed murder by the Zodiac Killer. And what's interesting, this murder was initially thought to be a routine robbery that had escalated. However, on October 14th, 1969, the Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac, this time containing a swatch of Paul Stein's shirt tail as proof he was the killer. It also included a threat about killing school children on a school bus. Then on October 20th, 1969, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called in several times to the talk show AM San Francisco, which had lawyer Melvin Belli on it. He said his name was Sam. Belli agreed to meet with him, but no one ever arrived. On November 8, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a card and another cryptogram consisting of 340 characters. This cipher remained unsolved for over 51 years until now. The Zodiac continued to send additional letters, threats, and ciphers up until January 29th, 1974, but was never caught. So now let me tell you about this 340 character cipher since this is the one that was recently cracked. The team consisted of three men, David Orenchek, he's a software developer in Virginia, woo woo, what? Sam Blake, an applied mathematician in Melbourne, Australia, and Jarl Van Eyke, a warehouse operator and computer programmer in Belgium. Woo woo! We got both my countries represented here. <laughs> if you recall, only one of the previous ciphers attributed to the Zodiac had been solved, and that was decoded by the Californian couple not long after it was sent in the 1960s. However, the 340 cipher is considered much more complex, suggesting the killer was frustrated that the first one had been deciphered so quickly. So this group is now together. They have a passion for kind of solving the Zodiac ciphers. 
And Johan created a code-breaking software called AZ Decrypt because he wanted to crack this cipher so bad. Like, this was kind of driving them throughout their lives. Sam, the guy in Australia, he was looking into how the cipher could have been manipulated by Zodiac. And he sent David over 650,000 variations to run through the AZ Decrypt software. On Thursday, December 3rd, after months of running these variations through the software, they saw the output from one attempt was still mostly gibberish, but contained the phrases, hope you are trying to catch me, and, or the gas chamber. So in order to come up with these phrases, what Sam did to the cipher was split it into three sections. The first two sections are nine lines long, and the last section is two lines. He then reads through the cipher in a diagonal line following this logic. You start in the upper left-hand corner, write that symbol, Go down one and over two, write out that symbol. So if you continue doing this, you'll get a new rearranged cipher. And after entering this into AZ Decrypt, the phrases didn't appear again. So they were like, oh shit, we have to try something else. So they ran the software with the crib feature, which is when you can lock in specific values. So they locked in the values for those phrases in their specific position. The solver then leaves those alone and it searches the rest of the text. Then they got a clean message. This was just for the first part. They then used the same key for the second part of the cipher, but it didn't really work. But it did work for the last two lines, so that third section it worked for. So they went back to the second part and it looked like the key could have worked, but the lines needed to be shifted to the right. So when they decrypt the message and start reading it diagonally down, at one line, the letters are in the wrong place. So in order to correct that, they just shifted the whole section one to the right and it fixed all of the misspellings. When you combine all three parts of the decoded cipher, you get this. I hope you are having lots of fun and trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise, all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me, where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death and I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. So that's the message they got. The team working on this was pretty confident that this was a workable message because It fits the timeline and it kind of fits with his messaging again, like having these slaves that he's collecting for paradise. Paradise is misspelled. So instead of an S, it's a C. And he had written that in his other letters as well. Yeah. Um, And again, it's referencing that TV show. And when he sent this letter, that was when this guy called in saying he was a Zodiac killer. Yeah. so So they're pretty confident in the message and the timeline. Yeah. This message was submitted to the FBI on Saturday, December 5th for confirmation. And since then, the FBI did say that they confirmed the the decoded cipher. But there are still other ciphers out there. But David says he's not optimistic about decoding the two remaining ciphers, um, mainly because they're so short. So he was saying this is really difficult to then verify if the message is correct. So here, because it was so many lines... It was kind of easier to validate if the message was correct and also fit it back into his timeline. But like he did one cipher saying my identity is and he gave just like 13 symbols. And David was saying like, I don't think 
we'll ever really be able to do that. And it's crazy because originally he said, if you crack my cipher, you'll find out who I am. So we still don't know. Does he ever say his name in one of these ciphers that isn't cracked yet? We'll never know. Yeah. Unless the team's able to do it. Now, there have been many suspects for the Zodiac Killer, but none have really been proven to be the guy. Um, So I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, public DNA databases and how you guys can help. Pretty much um, for the Golden State Killer, investigators use the site called GED Match, which is a public DNA domain. GED Match. GED Match. It just reminds me of getting your high school diploma in GED. (laughs) Now, the FBI was able to use this database because it is public. Um, where Ancestry and 23andMe, they really care about users' privacy. And so they do not allow FBI or police to to investigate the DNA or use the DNA in criminal cases. I didn't know that. I thought they could use it. That's no. interesting. Yeah. So there's been many times where the police have gone to court and requested to get access to their the database. Yeah, to the database. And uh, Ancestry has denied. So it's 23andMe. Interesting. But what's interesting about GD Match is when you go to the site, there are links to 23andMe and Ancestry. So if you have done Ancestry or 23andMe, you can easily transfer your data and your DNA information to the site. Oh, we should do that. I know we should. It is weird to think like, hey, I'm doing this just in case. In the hopes of catching a killer. But like they would be related to you. So what would you want to incriminate your family? It is a little weird to think, but it's just very interesting because they're saying I think for the Golden State Killer, they said it was his sixth cousin. Like, it was, like, that much of a proximity to yeah. the Golden State Killer. I don't expect, like, to immediately know someone in our family. I'm assuming yeah. it would be some distant relative. Okay, I'm sorry. It says third cousin or better is what it was. Um, but I just found that very interesting. If you guys are interested in doing it, look up GED Match. And submit your DNA. Yeah. You can catch the Zodiac. You never know. The Zodiac might be in your family. (laughs) So we just wanted to have this Christmas special for you guys, kind of fill you in on this new development in the case. It would be so interesting to find out who he is. I know one of the lead suspects is now passed away. So it would be interesting to find out if it was him. Yeah, he didn't leave a death note saying it was me. Yeah. It was me. It was me all along. Or like some, if he had left maybe like a cipher or cryptogram. As his death note, everyone would have been like, oh, it's him. Yeah. It was also interesting to read that the cipher that they just cracked, they believe he never thought his cipher was that hard because of the timeline, like what it regards to. They thought he it would be able to be cracked near that time because it seems like he likes this public. He loves attention. That's why he wrote so many letters. He continued writing letters for so many years. I mean, even after the murder stopped. Yeah. Should we start writing ciphers? <laughs> <laughs> I think like encryption, decryption is above me. So <laughs> me too. But that's all, guys. We hope you have a Merry Christmas. We hope you enjoyed this special episode of SOS. Hope you had fun with your family. Stayed safe. We hope you survived. Ate too much. Yeah. And see you Monday. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye.